cleanses the lepers, causes us, God, to come into your presence. Your, maje your majesty, God, stretches from eternity to eternity, and we're thankful, God, that we have the opportunity to come into your, your house, to worship you, to lift your name on high, and to become what it is that you've called us to be, God. Minister to us in this house today. Meet with us here, God. Arise in our midst so that our enemies will scatter and we will sing glory for it was good that we were in the house of God. We thank you for your power, for your love, for your mercy and your grace. We invoke the name of Jesus today. Hallelujah. Amen. And amen. You may be seated in this holy presence this morning well I know how church folk like to get up early on Sundays we're going to have to ask some of the 11 o'clock service to come join some of you fine folks at the 9 because we're having a problem social distancing at the second service because we got more than what we're supposed to have coming to that service and for some reason, nobody wants to come here with you. And <laughs> I don't know what you did to them. It's none of my business. This is not a confessional booth. But uh, last week, we had to space people out. And then the ushers came to me and said, Pastor, we wasn't social distancing in a few places because it was just too tight. So I don't know why, I don't know why uh, all of a sudden, because the nine used to be the big service. And, that, and, of course, that was B.C., before covid and uh, and now uh, now it seems like everybody wants to come to the late service. So I'm going to have to ask church. Cause I know how the church folk love to get up early on Sunday mornings. I'm going to have to uh, petition some people to come to this service. So uh, we got all kinds of room in here. So uh, well, bless the Lord. Uh, I'm going to continue my uh, my sermon series this morning. That's entitled "Under God." Now we're going to start getting a little bit deeper with our study. Again, I'm not going to try to get too deep uh, on Sunday mornings. I'm, I'm trying to balance this. Um, about six years or so ago, I did a real in-depth study on the names of God. I, uh, I did it on Wednesday nights, and, and it went for a long, it went for several months. And uh, I, I can't go that deep on Sunday mornings. We just have too many different uh, groups of faith, on, especially now, six years later. Back then, we had a, a much smaller group, and people that had been discipled by myself personally for a long time, and now we've just got a lot of faith level. So I'm not going to go as deep as I did back then, but I do want to give you some information that I believe will change your relationship with God. And that's what we're talking about, that we are under God. And if we're under God, then that puts us in a position uh, that, that we are blessed by the one who is over us, but we are also called to have authority over things that's supposed to be under us. Because we are under God, and all things are under God, but all things are not equal under God. Because demons and principalities and powers, he put them to open shame. But in our context, he created us from the dust of the ground and called us in his image and likeness. Therefore, while we are all under God, we are a little higher than the angels, and we are a little higher than the demons, and we are a little higher than the principalities and powers. So we're supposed to have authority over them, but the one who has authority over them also has authority over us. So not only do we need to learn our position under God, but we need to learn everything's position under God. 
I'm going to begin this morning with Psalms chapter 8. And I've only got one verse that I'm going to share with you in Psalm chapter 8. Because last week we talked about how God is a good shepherd. This week we're going to introduce something that uh, is going to be a study that I'm going to be doing for the next several weeks. Okay, This is the introduction to the names of God, to the titles of God. Again, I'm not going to get as deep theologically, uh, uh, expositorily as I did uh, in my previous study. I just want to give you enough information that I believe will change uh, your concept of who God is. And more importantly, I'm praying, will change your concept of who you are. Psalms chapter 8 and verse 9. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. I'm going to read that part again, and I want you to pay attention to the titles on the screen. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You see the name Lord on the screen twice? Do you see the difference? One is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. When you read the Bible, you read the Bible as Lord and Lord, and you think it's all the same. But when you break down and begin to study the names of God, you realize that when His name is pronounced Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, it is different than the one that comes after it or the one that comes before it. Sometimes in the same passage of Scripture, you'll see the name Lord three or four times, and every time it's different. Why is that important? Because names carry meaning. Names are significant. Anybody who knows you knows your name. It's embarrassing to me when I'm out somewhere and I hear somebody yell at me and I know their face. I don't know where I know them from. I can't tell you what their name is. They start asking me very personal questions. How's your daughter doing? How's your wife? How's Sister Amanda? I'm like, fine. I've gotten to the point now in my older age <laughs> that I've started realizing uh, where I know them from by how they address me. Because if they call me bishop, if they call me pastor, I know I know them from either church. They've either been here or they've heard me preach somewhere else. But if they come out and say, hey, Albert, they know me from somewhere else. And they probably know me from refereeing or they know me from my businesses or something of that kind. And I, I kind of put in context where it is that I encountered them by how they address me because names are significant. Somebody say amen. Cities are called by things that are significant. They'll even get nicknames. You, you hear uh, Atlantic City or Las Vegas and they'll call them names like Sin City because of what goes on there. Because names are significant. When a little boy sees a pretty little girl with pigtails across the classroom, his first question to her is, what's your name? And he's not really after the name. He just knows that the name is a gateway. A gateway to a relationship. But if she ain't interested in him enough to even give him a title to call her by, then he knows he probably needs to find the next pretty little girl. When a woman gets really interested in a man, and he asks her to marry him, when they stand before a preacher or a judge and they take the vows, her last name changes. And the idea behind that, in case you're wondering, is that when she has completed the name change, she anticipates that from that moment going forward, her life will forever be different. Because a name change signifies that, the, that where she's been is not where she's going. That she was once one, but now she's going to be, she was single, but now she's going to be two in one. 
Fathers will sometimes name their sons after them and call them junior. And that junior is a name and is a, a way to keep the nature or the name of the father perpetually going. People stand in, in line for hours. I've seen it uh, many times in my life trying to get some signature on a piece of paper from some actor or athlete or some popular singer, uh, some kind of celebrity, because they value the name of someone by the way, someone who is limited, someone who is highly flawed, and someone who is fading. You'll get a signature today because they're famous this month, and by next month, they could be canceled and moved on, and the whole world has forgotten them already. But the name of the Lord is great. How excellent is His name in all the earth. I, I, many of you may have nicknames. Now, you call her Sister Amanda. I call her Mandy. Because that's what I've called her since she was uh, 14 years old. Uh, Nicholas will become Nick, and Thomas will become Tom or Tommy. Somehow my Hannah turned Charity into a team. We still don't know how that happened, but when she was a little girl, she couldn't say Charity. She called her Ting. Ting stuck. She's still Ting. And, and so <laughs> she, she named a lot of uh, the people in this church. Uh, I, I have in my life known a Slim, I've known a Chubby. I've known a red. I'm from southern uh, West Virginia. I even knew a girl named Duty. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I didn't call her that. Somebody else did. There are names that are so... Listen, you don't think names mean anything. Why are there names that we can't use? There are derogatory names. There are racial names. Slurs that are so bad we won't even use them to people's faces because they are just words but at the time at the same time they are entirely disrespectful and by calling someone by a derogatory term it reveals the heart of the person who said names are significant god has a lot of names he's not just lord he's not just god one name does not actually sufficiently reveal to you who he is when we simply say God or we simply say Jesus, we don't really tap into the exact nature of the God who can help you with your particular situation. If you were with me uh, live Wednesday night on, on uh, Facebook, I was teaching on David and Goliath. And when David uh, told Goliath, you come at me with a shield and a sword and a javelin, but he said, I come at you in the name of the Lord. That seems like an odd weapon. That seems like a strange thing to use against a giant, the name of the Lord. He didn't say, I come in the full armor of the Lord. He didn't say, I come uh, in the name of the church of God. He said, I come at you in the name of the Lord. Because there was something about that name that David knew overrode the huge situation that he was facing. I wish I could implore to you this morning to understand that if you don't know that name, when you are facing down a giant, you don't really know what weapon to reach for. David knew that he couldn't bring down a giant with a sling unless he had with his sling the name of the Lord. I wish this morning and going forward in this service, uh, sermon series that God's name would become a key that will unlock what he is able to do in your life so you will learn who he is. Amen. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10 says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. 
And the righteous run into it. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Now, how do you run into a name? You have to know what that name indicates. A strong tower is a fortified place. It's a place of protection. It's a place of power. It's a place where the enemy can't get you. Now, how do you run into a name? Well, you can't run into your name. And you know what uh, we have discovered over the last 10 years in this valley? You can't run into the name of Weirton Steel. You can't run into the name of your 401K. There's no safety in those names. Somebody say amen. There's no safety in the... Listen, if all of your safety is wrapped up in an individual person, there's no safety there. That person could be dead by this time tomorrow. Somebody who swore that they would love you forever could file divorce papers by this time tomorrow. Do you realize that? There's no safety in that name. There's no safety in ideologies. There's no safety in being a Republican or a Democrat. There's no safety in being part of this nation or that nation. There's no safety in that. There's one name alone that gives you safety and security because one name alone is a strong tower where the righteous run into it and they are safe there. Psalm 111 and 9 says awesome is his name. His name is awesome. Somebody give God some praise in this church. His name is awesome. So whatever you're facing, this is why I want to teach this series on Sunday mornings. Whatever you're facing, there is a name for it. So when you discover that name, just like David went onto the battlefield knowing that a giant would fall, when you discover the name for the situation, you will know the power for the problem. You will know the privilege of the name, and it will cause you to win everybody. When I taught this sermon series uh, six years ago, it changed the way I prayed to God. Because I understood who it was I was praying to. And with every name that is indicated in the Scripture, when I know what that name is, I know exactly what He's able to do for me. When somebody comes up to you and shakes your hand and says, Hello, my name is Dr. Smith. Why Do you think they just want to show off that they went to medical school? They want, to know that there's, they want you to know that there's something they can do for you. They have the ability to do what everybody else can't do. When you're a car mechanic, you work on cars. When you're a plumber, you work on sewer systems. When you're a doctor, you might work on my heart or my brain. And your name, your title indicates what you are able to do for me. And when God comes and presents himself to us and says, read who I am and know who I am, it's because he wants you to know what he's able to do for you. So when you step on the battlefield, you will realize that there is more in your sling than just a rock. It's the name of the Lord who is awesome. His name is great and greatly to be praised. See, 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 whatever you're facing, there is a name for it. Some of you know that you couldn't have pulled off what you pulled off if you didn't have the right name. How many people have gotten jobs because they knew somebody's name? They got a, an interview because they knew somebody's name. I got out of a ticket because I know Gary Jr., He didn't let me out because of my charming personality. <laughs> he, he let me out because I got a friend <laughs> who's on the same force as him. Okay. <laughs> there are people that have position and power to pull off the task that you need done. So you call on their name. When it doesn't mean any good to call you, you couldn't help me. He, caught, he had the position. 
And because I called him, his position enabled him to help me. And there's a God in heaven who has positioned himself over different situations. That's why his name is a strong tower. And if you run into it, you're safe there. But I need to introduce you to who he is so that you'll understand exactly what he can do for you. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means to make holy. Hallowed means to sanctify. So he said, oh, Father, who art in heaven, let me set your name apart from every other name. Our Father who art in heaven, let me use your name like I don't use any other name. Your name's not in every other day name. In other words, I'm not going to mix this name up with any other name. Because this name does something. It means something unique. And if you don't believe me yet, go over to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7 when God was passing down something that you may have heard of called the Ten Commandments. And in the Ten Commandments, he tells Moses to tell his people, do not take my name in vain. Oh, let me give you the hillbilly vernacular version. Do not misuse that name. Now, I could preach the rest of this morning on misusing that name. Because it's not just cuss words. Although, uh, you, unless you are praying when you smash your thumb, you shouldn't be saying, Jesus Christ. That, that is taking the Lord's name in vain, but the church stopped right there. But the New Testament version of an Old Testament commandment looks something like this. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, don't misuse that name. If you're going to advertise yourself as a believer, don't misuse that name. Don't say you believe in Christ, but you act like you serve the devil. Y'all ain't going to help me this morning. you misusing his name. You're taking his name in vain. Don't tell me you're going to pray for me after you posted last night how you was turned up at the club last night. That is not the way this works. you misusing that name. So, so because we don't understand this in this day and age, you don't understand that his name's not average. It's not ordinary. When I was a little boy, my grandmother had dishes that she kept in a china cabinet. I never ate out of them. They were for special guests. She lived her whole life and died, and I was never special, not one time. We had ordinary dishes we used. Corel by name. Most of them was chipped. <laughs> She'd send me and the other cousins out on the porch with them beat-up dishes. Sometimes they were just metal pans, looked like they came straight out of the Civil War. That's what we got to eat out of. And them pretty flower decoration ones, I think she got them when her and my grandpa got married. And I don't know who the special guest she was waiting on to show up and eat off them things, but I saw them in that china cabinet my whole life. I still don't know where they went when she died. I don't know who got them. I hope they ate off of them. Because I think they was as clean as the day she got them because I don't think that special guest ever showed up. But when I was a little boy, I was told that those are set apart for special guests. Those aren't ordinary dishes. His is not an ordinary name. It is a special name. It's supposed to be hallowed. It's supposed to be set apart. It's supposed to be different than every other name. So when we misuse his name, it is emptied of its purpose and meaning. 
The purpose of his word containing all these names is because he wants to reveal to you who he is and not who you try to make him be. See, everybody today seems to have an opinion about who God is. Everybody wants to interpret him for themselves. And, and, and they use his name, but the name of God that they use and they say he knows doesn't line up with the nature of God that I seem to know. So they are invoking his name, but his name has no power. His name has no meaning. His name has no authority because while they are saying his name, it's misapplied to who he really is. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 and you'll see that when the devil showed up in the garden, the first thing he did was attack the word of God and the name of God. He asked Eve, he said, did God really say? Did God actually say? He used God's name to deceive God's meaning, God's purpose. And eventually in this series, you will see that the devil actually dropped part of the name of God, which changed the meaning of who God was in that moment because he wanted to use God's name for his purposes. I'm trying not to get too deep here. I don't want to lose you. I learned a long time ago that just because somebody comes to church and carries a Bible and says God doesn't mean they ain't a devil. So I want you to understand that just because somebody says the name Lord, Jesus said there's a lot of folks on that day that's going to say to me, Lord, Lord, and I won't let them into the kingdom because I'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. You knew my name, but you didn't know who I was. You, you, you had, a, you had a, a cross on your necklace, but you don't know who I am. You got a bumper sticker on your car, but you didn't really know who I am. So here we are in the name of God, and he says to us from Genesis to Revelation, there are 80 different names used for him because one could never fully describe who he is. So I'm going to take you through not 80 of them, but I am going to hit a portion of them. David says, if you keep reading this psalm, Psalm chapter 8, if you keep reading, David said, I look up into the heavens and I realize who you are because I see the works of your fingers. That's called anthropomorphic language. It means we put human characteristics on God so we can understand who God is. And then he gets real perscopacious about God because he says, oh, and then I see that you thought of me when I wasn't thinking of you. <laughs> That's verse 4. He says, you were mindful of me. When I was not mindful of you, because David is a worshiper. And when you discover the names of God, worship is not hard. Hey, hey, listen, I'm about, to, I'm, I'm about to close already. You don't believe that, but I'm, a, I'm about to close already because I want you to understand that when you, when you celebrate something, you put value on that thing. So worship is you celebrating who God is and you putting a value on Him. And the more valuable something becomes, the easier it is for me to adore it. And so the more I celebrate God, the more I know who He is, the more I have to celebrate. And the more I celebrate Him, the, the more he, ador he is adored in my life. So I recognize Him and I celebrate Him. When people have to be pulled and pushed into worship, it's because they don't value God enough. Hear me, it has nothing to do with whether we sing Redback hymnals or choruses off the wall or, or Hillsong or Elevation. It has nothing to do with that because I can worship with anything. I can worship with the old songs. I can worship with the new songs. I have worshiped with songs that I didn't even understand the language that they were singing in because the anointing was pulling something up out of me. I went to General Assembly. 
And they were singing in Spanish, I guess. Could have been something else. I assume it was Spanish. They sang under the anointing. The place fell apart. I thought I must be the only one here that don't know Spanish. Everybody was worshiping God. People were falling out uh, on their faces before the Lord. Why? Because it doesn't matter what the words are. There's a communion that takes place when we worship Him. The Spirit in me becomes filled with the Spirit from heaven. And something powerful happens because He is adored. So I want you to understand that when you come to church, if you're there for the right reasons, you don't have to be drugged into worship. How do I know that? Because let something go wrong in your life. Let your life start falling apart. I won't have to pull you into worship. You'll get here early and stay late. You'll beg for more church. You'll be hitting me up on Facebook saying, can't we start Sunday nights back up again? Because I need something bad. I need the Lord bad. Let your life start falling apart. I won't have to get up here. Sister Alicia won't have to stand up here and cheerlead you for Jesus. No, you, you, will, you won't have to come being pulled and kicked and screaming and, and clawing. No, 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 no. I won't have to drag you somewhere. You will show up and say, I'm reporting for duty. He is magnified. I adore him. I can't wait to get my praise on. We got too many people that come to church that are just bored to death. And the reason they're bored to death is because they don't know who it is that they're singing about. Don't you look at me in that tone of voice. You know I'm telling the truth. We, we don't have to be prodded into yelling at a Steeler game. If they ever have them again. <laughs> they might be playing the empty stadiums. I don't know. Baseball looks weird with nobody there. They ain't even got nobody to fetch home run balls. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but the more I know about God, the easier it is for me to celebrate Him. The more I know that He has done for me, the more I can get into His presence and feel comfortable there. And some folks come to church every Sunday. And I know looking around this room, you're like, well, there ain't that many people here. Well, come back to the 11. No, don't come back to the 11 o'clock service because we ain't got room for you. But there are people that come to church every Sunday, and they are there for the wrong reason. They're there for the bishop. They're there for Sister Amanda. They're there for you because you invited them. They feel obligate they're coming for a reason but it ain't the right reason but when I show up to celebrate the one I adore I don't have to be drugged into worship because that's the whole point of me being here I didn't show up to church this morning to look cute I didn't show up to church this morning to be seen or to see you I'm glad you are here I will smile and wave at you I will I will tell you that I'm glad that you are here because I am but if you didn't show up wouldn't change no reason no purpose for me being here because I came here to lift up the name that is above every name and when I lift him up he is the one I came to adore when people, when people don't adore him, they have to be pushed into worship. That's why it's so important for you to understand Psalm 34 in its proper context. The Bible says, I will bless the Lord. <laughs> See, stop right there. Don't raise your hand. But a lot of you showed up here wanting him to bless you. But David said, I will bless the Lord 
at all times. A lot of us, most of us, maybe, dare I say, all of us, are needing Him to bless us. David said, I'm going to bless Him at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now, I could ask the question, what's in your mouth? Because if his praise is continual, that means it never stops. But it also means you can't praise and complain. So if you got continual praise, you had to shut praise off to start that griping. Don't mad at me now. Shut down on me. You, you, you can't talk down to people. You can't talk bad about people. You can't spew hatred and venom and disgust and be praised. If I'm praising continually, that means I don't shut it off to do something else contrary to it. My, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it <laughs> and be glad. And verse 3 says, won't you sit right there and watch me shout? Oh, that ain't what it says? Oh, it don't say, you sit on your hands and listen to me worship. That's not what it says. And it says, uh, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Join me, won't you, in magnifying the Lord. Now, do you know what magnification is? Magnification is not what you think it is. Because if I ask ten of you, most of you would say magnification is making something bigger. But magnification is not making anything bigger. Because it is, it is impossible for me to make God bigger. He spanned the universe. He is bigger than all of creation. How can I ever hope to make God bigger? Magnification doesn't make anything bigger. Magnification is the appearance of making something bigger. You can't make God bigger. But you can take a magnifying glass and read the inscription on my ring. You can take a magnifying glass and make the words of your newspaper easier for you to read. You either need a magnifying glass or a longer arm, some of y'all. My wife's getting to that point. She picks stuff up and I see her. She's adjusting it to wherever she can get the magnification right. So magnification doesn't make anything bigger. But it makes it look bigger to you. The print size doesn't change. But what was hard to read becomes easier to read because of magnification. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continue to be in my lips. Oh, come magnify the Lord with me. Now, I'm here, and I see dreadlocks out there. Now, I can see him from where I am because I'm still not that old. When I magnify somebody doesn't make them bigger. It just makes them easier for me to see. When I look through a scope at a deer, it doesn't make the deer bigger. Would to God that was the way it worked. 
You should see a little Bambi down there. You put a scope on it, he's a 10-point buck. It's not the way it works. It makes the deer look bigger, appear bigger, but it didn't change the size of the deer. Hey, Glenn, put your mask on. Come up, come walk toward me. Now, I see him. Now, I see him a little bit bigger, better. Stop right there. Okay, now I see that his shirt says P-O-V Usher. I couldn't see that from back there. I could see it said something, but I couldn't tell what it was. But the closer he got to me, I can see it says P-O-V Usher. And now I can see that there's something on the other side. Of course, I know what it is, but I can't read it from there. Take a few more steps toward me. And see, the closer he gets to me, the closer he comes to me, the more he... Stop right there. Now I can see that it's Psalm 84 and 10. I can see that from here. I couldn't see it when he was back there, and I certainly couldn't see it when he was all the way out there. But the closer he got to me, the easier it was for me to read the details of him. See, 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 I want you to understand that when you magnify God, you don't change God. He weighs the same. Glenn weighs the same right there that he did out there in that foyer. He didn't lose 40 pounds. He didn't gain 40 pounds. He didn't get no heavier, no lighter. He didn't get no taller. He didn't get no skinnier. Just because I called him closer. What it was was his appearance to me got abundantly easier for me to make out because he got closer to me. So when I say come magnify the Lord with me, what I'm actually saying is you need to get him as close to you as you possibly can because there's some details about him that you can't see from where you are. But if you get closer to him, my God in heaven, you will see stuff about him that you did not see before. You're not changing God. You're not making God anything except closer to who you are. So the devil hates you because you're a praiser. And when you praise God, God comes closer. And when God comes closer, you see him better, but the devil flees. So the devil doesn't mind you watching God from a distance. But he don't want you to see his love. He don't want you to see his power. He, he don't want you to see his grace and his passion and his love for you. He don't want you to see God for who he really is. So, let, me, let me use this as an example. Ron, stay right there. Come up here and stand in that corner. You, you've probably been in the corner before. That's what I figured. So if we're going to stretch our minds way, way out and think that Glenn is God, It doesn't take quite as much creativity to think Ron is the world. So he's lost in need of God. And standing between the lost and the Lord is the church. So I'm supposed to be of the opinion that what you need, he has. Not me. Not, not, not me. If you look to the church for your supply, you're in trouble. If you look to the church to have the answers, you're lost. But I'm supposed to be able to point to the one who has the ability to bring healing to your lost condition and whether you're a lost soul or whether you're a lost in body or whether your mind is corrupted whatever it is the world needs I'm supposed to be able to show you the the one who has the answers and 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 and, and here's the problem that we're having in the world today Islam can get people to strap bombs to their underwear 
And Christ can't get his people to even show up to church on Sunday. Hello. So, so as I stand here and I'm vacant from church and I take Sundays off and I, and I show up when I want to, my God looks small to them. Because I'm not magnifying him in my life. So, so when they're coming looking, they, they're not going to him, they're coming to me. They're viewing him through the lens of the church. And whatever I do to magnify him to them is what they're going to see. Because they don't know him yet. And the world needs God. But it, they won't see him unless the church begins to magnify them. And my praise is supposed to be the magnifying glass that the world sees God through. And if he's not big to us, he won't be big to them either. Thank you. Thank you. So when I magnify God, I bring Him closer. But I don't change who He is. What changes is my ability to see things about Him that I couldn't see from a distance. What I want to do in this sermon series is I want to show you details of God that has been at a distance. But I want to draw Him close to you. So that you'll be able to see things about him that maybe you did not know before. And the closer you get to him, the more you'll know. That's my answer. That's the problem that I've been seeing. See, see, God may be small in your problems right now, but as you learn the power of His names, all of a sudden He should start getting magnified. And as I look at these different meanings every week, I hope God gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And you and I will start inviting other people to come magnify the Lord with me because He's got every answer to every problem that I go through. It's not, it's not just me showing up to church on Sunday. This is something that is uh, absolutely above every problem that I have ever encountered, God has my, it's not just God it's every nature that God possesses see what this does is it builds confidence in you when you learn who he is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D when you read that scripture and you'll see that those particular scriptures apply specifically to problems that you have in your life and the devil has not created a problem that God has not created a solution to. So come magnify the Lord with me. Sister Alicia, would you mind coming back up here and let's, let's find some music to magnify the Lord with. Can we do that? Uh, I, I quit early so we could have time to magnify the Lord. We, can, can, can we do that this morning? Can we stand to our feet? And, and, and I'm going to let these ladies dismiss uh, to our uh, video this morning because I just want to magnify the Lord. I, I want you to get into your, I want you to get uh, as a regular routine. Magnifying the Lord. Because if I learn how to lift Him up, I'll know that I'm under God. And I'll learn what is also beneath me. Like sickness and depression and anxiety and worry and doubt and fear and all those things that I have been letting get on me are actually supposed to be beneath me because we are all under God. Come magnify the Lord with me. Go ahead, ladies.